I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. This is Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. And you're listening to Resource Real Talk about real estate. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Today, we've got a local guest with us uh, with a wealth of knowledge about one of our favorite topics. Uh, And it's going to be a really interesting conversation, I think, Jay, especially based on our uh, our brief conversation so far before we started recording. No, absolutely. And, you know, um, you know, I'll be happy to introduce our guest for today, but we had some, t- some conversation off air and I'm, I'm actually really, really excited um, for our listeners to get to hear what Joe has to say. Today, we're joined by Joe Hayden of uh, Remax Properties East here in Louisville. A little bit about Joe. In 2017, his team sold $63 million in volume. Uh, 255 homes sold, just about 14 agents or 14 team members agents. Uh, Joe is also in 2017 appointed as a real estate commissioner for the state of Kentucky, which is a a very prestigious honor. And I know he's uh, excited to talk to you guys a little bit today about some of the things and the work that they're doing at the commission. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the Kentucky Real Estate Commission a lot Mm -hmm. um, in past episodes, and it's really, really good to get it, you know, straight from the horse's mouth. You know, it's the week prior to Derby, Gabe, so my my horse references have to come out. Okay. You know, you can, I don't know, we might have to dub in like a... I think you're beating a dead horse Oh, dead horse. No, no, no. Anyway, um, so we're we're going to let you hear from Joe. Honestly, I have been, um, and, and I don't think it's it's really making too much of it to say that I have been in awe of uh, something that Joe's been able to achieve in his career, and and you've heard a lot from me. Gabe knows this um, in the past episodes that we've done about you know the internet and its power to build a real estate business, right. and. Um, you know, I believe firmly that 75 to 80% of real estate transactions are done by repeat and referral. Um, but the growth sector of any agent's business is that other 20%. And you can get your unfair share as an aggressive agent of the remaining balance of the market. And what Joe's been able to do is build a really strong website. It's joehaydenrealtor.com. So all of you should check it out. Um, but joehaydenrealtor.com has been pretty much... I would I would venture to say, Joe, I'm sure you have stats on this and I don't, but I would venture to say it's probably the most highly trafficked real estate agent website in our market, probably by far. Um, and we won't ask you to get into details on that, but I know it's been very substantial and very impactful in the growth of your team and your success. So why don't you talk to our listeners just a little bit about what that's meant to your business. Okay, absolutely. Well, to understand the website is to know me and and why I chose that path for my business because when I started in the business 2007 uh, beginning of the 2007 time period the real estate market was right on the verge of a collapse and sure. and of course I didn't get that memo I think the day after I got licensed uh, <laughs> was the day it did crash according to uh, how I looked at it so uh, you know when you start out as an agent I was flying full-time as a pilot I was flying air ambulance and I was flying on a six on two off schedule a rotating schedule with a 24-hour call out meaning that any time a day during that time period we could get a call out. The type of flying I was doing for the Kentucky and Indiana Organ Donor Network primarily meant that we flew at night. And so we would get call outs at 10, 11 o'clock at night, have to be at the airport, be airborne in less than an hour, have to be somewhere to pick up a transplant team or coordinators and oh, then wow. move them to hmm. somewhere, you know, some other location. So that was a job that I was doing at the time. I had previously been flying full time as a flight instructor, and also as a charter pilot out in California. Uh, And, of course, I am from Louisville. This is my hometown, but I had ended up out there in the flying world. So uh, what would happen is is we would fly. I would pick up a team up in Indianapolis, fly to Cleveland or fly to West Virginia, fly to Evansville, just just wherever we were going to procure the organs that we were going to get. 
And so then we stood down as pilots, and we would be down for six to eight hours while we waited for the process of, of you know, the, the coordinators and the surgeons and whoever was going to have to do the work they had to do for them to come back to the aircraft and go. In that time period, uh, I began to, uh, it, you know, most of the pilots would take the time to rest and sleep and what have you. And what I began to do is start to work on search engine optimization and start to develop right. my website. Uh, that, uh, uh, that, of course, has led to a lot of different things. But the, you know, the important part, uh, takeaway from that is that for me personally was I was trying to develop my business, driving around looking for for sale by owners. Uh, I had been away for almost 13 years from town. So a lot of my relationships yeah. in town had been severed just by mm-hmm. that distance in time. So Absolutely. I was like a brand new agent, literally starting over like I just moved to town, even though this was my hometown. And so in that time period, trying to build business, trying to grow business, I was out knocking on doors, driving around, making calls, trying to introduce myself to people. And I felt like I didn't have much leverage. Uh, that that was a one-to-one thing for me. And, and I'm also a relatively introverted person when it comes to just how I am naturally. So those things weren't very comfortable for you. It's not comfortable. It I mean, was, you, it was it was breaking rocks. It was it like, was very difficult. Right. Yeah. It was you know if if I go to a party, I usually gravitate towards the corner of the party, and it's just how I am. Right. Um, so I uh, found all of those types of processes as far as developing business, which you would traditionally do, were difficult. I figured out that the internet gave me the ability to get incredible leverage. And also gave me the ability to do something else I like to do, which was teach and educate and provide something of value, uh, and to do it on a mass level where I was able to not necessarily have to be out one-to-one knocking on doors or, or picking up the phone and cold calling for sale by owners, et cetera, et cetera, which you know, nowadays it's a whole different ballgame. You can't even really do that type of stuff safely. Um, but, uh, but we <laughs> had true. a uh, – um, you know, we had – I just – part of it was timing. Right, that that time period is sort of the dawn of the internet age in the area. There was no, uh, there was only a couple websites that were really competitive. Zillow wasn't huge. Wasn't, you know, truly, yeah. you know, Realtor. dot right. com was doing okay. Everyone was just figuring out what the internet was going to mean in terms of real estate at that time. So I just happened to, through timing, luck, my own personal skill set, the my current job that I had that afforded me all this time to sit around and focus on one task for literally a year and a half. Uh, that it just all happened to work out. And uh, and then there came a point in time where my traffic went from 5, 10, 15, 20 visits a day, and then it started to climb, uh, and that was short, towards the end of 2009. And when it did that, it, it literally, my business just went wild. And uh, from that point forward, literally to this day, we've been trying to catch up. It's been a it's been a process of keeping up and catching up from that point. Sure, sure. Well, that, that's that's you know, an amazing story. And, you know, you talk about like the dawn of the internet in real estate. And, right, you know, I think right. real estate, you know, was probably, you know, a decade ago thought of as an industry that was very reticent to accept technological advance. Right. Okay. And we still have a large segment of our agent population that is still resistant to this change. But since maybe around that time, we've seen that speed of adoption pick up. People have seen opportunities like yourself to grab a hold of one thing and ride the wave of technology to success. And um, I think that's that's pretty special. I guess, I guess my question then becomes, um, so you find yourself in this place where you've, you've sort of, and maybe this is a poor way to reference it, but you've so, sort of cracked the code, okay? Um, you're getting traffic to your site that no one else is really getting at least locally right um and then as we as we know uh technology advances technology changes right um so whether it be google or bing or whatever search engine that you were focusing on then maybe yahoo um you know what whatever um but they change their algorithms right they change the things that they value um obviously you know google adwords is probably something that you're having to contend with because the majority of your work and SEO at that point was probably based pointed towards organic. Right? right. And so how did you, how did you reconcile that? How did you, how did you stay abreast of changes and pivot? Um, or how did you identify the need to pivot? Well, cause these are things that a lot of people don't even still don't understand. And so you're so cutting edge at that point that things are changing when people don't know they exist. Well, so so there's again some of that comes back to me as a person. I I see patterns for some reason. You can ask my wife. Uh, I have a memory that I have no idea why it does what it does. It just remembers. I'm I'm. You don't want to play me in trivial pursuit type situation, <laughs> right? I have no idea why I know it. 
I just know it. I just remember it. I see the patterns. You can give me, you throw a bunch of things out on the table. I'll organize it. And that's just how I am. Okay. And so that's when we talk about aviation and we, we touch on it about music before this, why, why the audio engineering uh, appealed to me. It's a complicated thing with a lot of moving parts, a lot of pieces of the but puzzle. But it makes sense to you. It makes 100% sense So does to SEO. Me. I just get it. SEO just makes sense to me. It, uh, I, I, I somehow think in the same way that Google, in some ways, thinks. And, uh, but part of that comes from, I'll tell you this, a lot of it's an accident as well, right? It's timing. And, there's, and this is me at my most honest when you talk about these type of things. When I did this, I started off focused on just a couple local websites, and I'm competitive. I wanted to beat those sites, right? I wanted to outrank them, and I picked one or two sets of keywords. For example, the, one, the very first was Louisville, Kentucky Homes for Sale, and I wanted to rank number one for that set of keywords. It was sort of arbitrary. I did not know why. I sat down at Highland Coffee, and uh, was down there basically every day when when I wasn't flying, and then when I was flying, I was on whatever computer, wherever I was at, at whatever airport, and I was hammering away. Uh, I have people ask me regularly, this I'm very open about, how did you figure out how to get to be number one on Google for various terms and, and get to where you're at? And my answer is ridiculously simple. I Googled how to be number one on Google, <laughs> and then I read everything that I could read, and I compared what matched and what made sense, and, and I figured out what didn't make sense, what other yeah. people had tried and failed at. And so I compared all of that, and I kept the good, sure. got rid of the bad, and then Wash, Rinse, Repeat did it every single day. And literally to this day, still spend you know an hour to two hours on the site, seven days a week, except for a couple holidays, uh, or if I was very, very sick. But I've been doing that ever since that time period. Wow. So, so we, we call that process a very complicated GTS, Google that, and it's a PG show, so we're not going to say what <laughs> right. the S stands for. But yeah, when you need to know something, just Google it. That 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 is amazing because as much as I rely on that very same, I mean, we we've got you know the power of the internet at our fingertips right, in our right. pockets these days. But um, I never would have thought how do you to Google how do you rank number one? Well, and and more. You alluded to it just a moment ago. So you talked about organic and you talked about pay-per-click. I, I, at one point in time, I did a little pay-per-click. Uh, at last year, I think there was a month where I put $1,500 on pay-per-click just to see if that would help an infill and what have you. At, uh, at the time period before that, I did about $100 a month on pay-per-click, uh-huh. but I never got traffic through pay-per-click. It just hmm. never worked for me, right? Boomtown, Tiger Leads, there's a couple companies out there that have done yeah. a great job of optimizing, and, and they do a great job with those type of systems. But yeah. the skill that you have to have to optimize AdWords and really get value out of it and the money that you have to put into it, uh, it's uh, for something for me, I just figured I can do it, and I'm already doing it, and we already rank well. The the growth of Google's algorithm, to your other question, um, I used to have a large amount of stress and anxiety because my business was built around that organic search results, right, and yeah. ranking well. I mean, I remember the day sitting at Highland Coffee where I Googled Louisville, Kentucky Homes for Sale, and I popped up above the sites that I was trying to beat. And that was a big day for me, right? I yeah. said, woohoo, success. I had not thought at that point in time what that success would actually mean in terms of now leads are going to start coming in. Now I've got to service these leads, right? I was myopically focused on that goal. And all of a sudden, here comes the business and a whole new set of problems arose. Not wow. only do I have to juggle that, keep that going, but I also have to... Um, you know, but I also have to be in a situation uh, where I've got to, you know, stay abreast of Google and stay abreast yeah. of those changes. You've got these penguins and pandas and all of these named updates to the yeah. Google algorithm. And it, it really is simple with Google. Google is very much like your ideal human and how a person would think. And once you start seeing it as they're they're really trying to get out ahead of how you might you know, a, a normal person. Well, a normal person might interact with the, uh, um, you know, the internet. If you're going to ask it a question, you want a relevant response. Right. And so they're doing their very best they can to categorize data and put it in such a way that you get that relevant response. And they're looking at quite a few factors to make that happen. I mean, I've read the patent. I've read everything that Google puts out about it. I've read all the different things you can read. And, and about two years ago, you know, I used to check uh, analytics every day. I, I was on it every day. And about two years ago, I just said, forget it. We're ranking well. I don't need to focus on this anymore. I've got certain things that I'm doing that continue to this day work because I have narrowed them down to what Google wants to see. 
and and I don't check that stuff and don't look at that stuff anymore. I I don't look. I saw some new update came out from Google the other day, and and I looked at it and I was like, mm, who cares, right? <laughs> I mean, if if I see a huge drop in our traffic or our leads drop off, I might start caring. But we've not been affected, to my knowledge, in any major way by any of those changes because they're really looking for people who are doing nefarious things on the web, and we I've just done my very best to not do that. Right. And so I've slipped through the cracks, I guess you'd say. I mean, I've just kept moving forward around that. So it's been um, it, it, you know, for three or four years, maybe five years was a very intense learning process. And, and the results of that process is, is that you can chase your tail for the next rest of your life chasing Google. But yep. if you're really going to try to sell real estate or get value out of it, you're going to have to find a balance between that and actually doing the job. And so I'm seeking that balance now, right? What's the other side of the equation? Yeah. Well, hearing you talk about the progression brings uh, a kind of different question to mind for me, bringing it in full circle. Uh, one of my favorite things about the show is that we get to talk to a lot of really knowledgeable real estate professionals. And, and I think it's interesting, too, before we move on from that, that Everyone is kind of has their story of how they fell into real estate from a background that you wouldn't necessarily think is real estate oriented. I think it's maybe the first time that the phrase procure the organs has been used on the show. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure right. no one else has said that. Yeah. Hopefully no one tunes in right there. But keeping that in mind, another thing that a lot of our guests have in common is that they're very tech forward. These are people right. that are very in tune with what works and what doesn't work in real estate marketing. And I don't think we've had anybody on the show say that SEO is dead or anything like that. But it does seem like a lot of people view it more like a thing of the past or something that has been surpassed, especially by social media marketing and maybe some of the more sexy, spicy types of marketing. What do you think, especially talking about all these updates and all these things that are changing, what does the future of search engine optimization look like? And is it something that you think that you'll be invested in in a big way for a long time? Or are you eventually going to have to move past it? Well, the, I, I think – so that becomes a broad question about the real estate market in general. Are bots going to transact real estate in the future? Are humans going to transact We've real asked estate that one too. in the future? So, yeah. so a lot of that is heading towards that path, right? You're going to have instant offers, click a button, buy this house. There's going to be a lot of things that come up that are going to you know, be tested on the public. What's going to work? Right. right. And so I'm still a pretty firm believer in real estate 101. I, 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 you know, salesship, salesmanship 101. It's all about relationships. It's all about people. Um, I don't know of any machine yet uh, that at least is in the general public that is capable of of telling you about love. I mean, if you want to talk about something emotional, right, the the, the things that somebody might uh, uh, buy into for the reason they chose to buy the home they bought and, and yep. why they wanted to stay there, I don't know yet of any machine that can get anywhere near helping sure. somebody make that decision. That's a very human decision, and it takes humans to understand. So how that ties into what you're saying um, – you know, we talk a lot on the team, and and I talk about the highway of life, uh, and people are always traveling down their path in their life. And if you just think about, it, most people are heading down that road, and and if you have a need, right, you're coming up on exits, you know, paths on that highway, and entry onto that highway. For example, if you're hungry and you're driving down the road, and you see a sign that says, you know, McDonald's two miles, next exit. 40 miles, right? You might get off at that right. exit, even though you might not want McDonald's. Uh, you've got to make a decision. You don't want to wait 40 miles. You, right. you, or if you need gas, for example, exactly. right? You're going to roll the dice. Mm, might I make it or might I not? Let's uh, go ahead and get off here and get some gas. Well, it's just like that with creating relationships with an agent. At what point in time do you make the decision at your point in life that you need to interact with an agent? And or do you? There's people out there that don't necessarily need it. I, I, I think that even some of the most knowledgeable, skilled people in other industries and other fields might find themselves woefully unprepared for a modern real estate transaction with all the yeah. variables in place. I right. think experience is everything when it comes down to uh, having a successful transaction. But as far as the initial relationships created, it's really going to be, when does that person say, I'm ready, I'm done searching on my own, I'm done driving around on my own, I'm done going to open houses on my own, I'm ready to create the relationship I need to go to the next level. So it all kind of depends on where you set up those exit ramps and, and where they are in life. Right now, social media is one of the most present 
ramps that people will jump off. It's right sure. there in your face. It's sure. where most yeah. people are right now. What that's going to look like in the future, whether it's, I mean, I don't mean to go totally crazy, but a, a chip, you know, that's installed in you or, or at least something that you've got in your hand or pocket that that is very aware of your wants and needs. I mean, Siri's learning that stuff. Amazon, the, the little boxes okay. in your house, all that stuff is learning you. Sure. And it's trying to figure out what you want. So when you yell at the box and you say, hey, find me a real estate agent, in theory, it's going to pop up the person that most ideally fits who you are as a person. What that looks like in the future is a difficult thing. How organic search plays into that, how uh, reviews play into that, how transaction data is fed into that system so you can judge. One of the challenges we have these days is how do you determine you know who's a good agent and not uh, you know you can have a person who's a wonderfully good person means as well as they can possibly mean but they can blow a transaction yep you know blow a hole in the transaction in 2 seconds that can cost a lot of people a lot of time and money they're nice people but they may not be the best choice potentially for that person. So the future to me right now is uh, we are in that period of human growth, and this is not just in real estate, but we're trying to figure out. And again, that's why I said it all goes back. It's somebody's trying to figure out how to make the most natural. Hey, let me shake your hand. Let's let's get together and meet in the grocery line or or meet at church or wherever you're going to meet. How can we? process and automate that interaction so it's going to be a combination of a very human experience with a very process experience Um, i don't know what that looks like Hmm. social media right now is that early exit i think the next exits are going to be a lot more ai based and a lot more you know in tune with your personal needs and whether seo plays a huge part of that it's gonna be tough to see well i i can i absolutely agree number one with everything you just said and Social media is that that easy off ramp. We we advertise on social. We we have we have tried and we still do practice some direct response marketing via social media. The thing is, direct response marketing on social doesn't work with high frequency, high high levels of c- conversion, if you will, to business because people who are shopping for homes are on social media, but people don't go to social media to shop for homes. Right, exactly. The, the great thing about what Joe's been able to accomplish with his site and what, what makes organic SEO work is the fact that real estate is voyeuristic in nature, nature um, and people find a low, lower level of commitment with shopping online for homes prior to interacting with a professional mm-hmm. okay joe, joe joe's seem to build a better mousetrap so to speak right where people can find him you know very readily because of the skills he right. possesses and the work he's put in people find this find the site i i honestly i'll tell you when it really caught my attention big time okay and i i i, <laughs> I don't know i wish i knew i wish i, I i'm not prepared to put in the work that Joe has. So I'll never achieve this level of success, right? Okay. And that's why, you know, Gabe, I tell you a lot and I tell anybody that's on this show, I'll tell anybody anything I do because you're not willing if if you're not willing to put in the work, you're not going to achieve it's not the result. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But um when it really took hold with me is when I started googling addresses, not even for real estate's sake, and Joe's site pops up. <laughs> Like not even a house for sale necessarily that I was even aware of. I was just trying to find a place. Right. So I Google it rather than put it in a maps, you know, app on my phone. And Joe's site comes up ranked almost number one. And I thought, gosh, that is so genius because how many people interact with Google just to find information and bam, there he is. Yep. And so a, a nice iteration probably of what the original goal was is just how important that individual address and how it plays toward real estate. People will never stop looking at pictures of houses online. Yeah. Okay. They may, they may click a button and place an offer one day, but there's still going to be a, a large segment of people that need the, the curation of the transaction. And Joe's going to be right there. So that's yeah. why, that's why organic SEO continues to work despite the, the changes in the algorithm, the advent of social, you know, the eye grab, the 14,000 commercial messages that people receive a day. The truth is, is they go looking for something and find Joe. I think it's interesting what we, what Joe just said too, that maybe one day it will take on a form that's not really familiar to us yet. Like what we think of yeah. as organic search in search engine optimization marketing right now looks like one thing in the future. It might be talking to a smart speaker. I mean, like right now that people might think that sounds a little too, Twilight zone but I mean, you never know what the next 10 years could look like. We may have never thought we would be buying paper towels by talking to a smart speaker, but people do that now. Or pressing a button that is in the cupboard next to where you keep the 
exactly. the paper towels. And I in mean, a way, that's organic search. Like you said, you might have a you might have a piece of technology that you know, is helping you find someone based on what you're asking for, and it's less going to the marketplace where you would find the person. I think organic SEO is is inbound marketing at its purest, right? Sure. Because yeah. literally, he didn't have to pay. I mean, he pay, you pay. You I pay, pay with time. time. You pay with time. Yeah, you pay absolutely. with opportunity costs, the things that you could have been doing with and that same time. to stay on top of it, like you said. But but literally, I mean, it's it's at its purest. So, you know, we, we, um, we had Chris Smith, um, with Curator on the podcast mm-hmm. here recently. And Chris is, you know, uh, a very, he's, he used to be called the chief evangelist at Inman. Like he was the guy that, <laughs> right. that got people interested in things. And, you know, Chris uh, often talks about and did on this podcast about how it would be nice if no one, if, if you had a highly trafficked website that had no, no registration feature. And, and, and it'd be an interesting, the, the, the fact is, I don't think anybody's really, that has any juice that has any real traffic has ever been willing enough to find out. Yeah. But the truth is like, how, how, how would it affect your oh, business? I could certainly speak to that. Uh, Can you because, really? Oh yeah. I, dial I, would back. Love, I would love to hear that. So you've been less aggressive. In oh, absolutely. That. Yes. Yes. I, I thoroughly believe that I want to touch on something before I forget there's you've, you made three separate points here that are going to um, hopefully don't escape my mind in this conversation. Sure. Uh, but uh, I do want to point out, uh, and it's extremely important to note that, that it was impossible for me to do all of this on my own. It's not, I have done the on page and off page SEO in terms of content. I've done all the off page SEO to, to, you know, maybe 98% of it, uh, in terms of the linking, the backlinking, all the things that have been done. That's been me doing that work. However, early in the process, uh, I made some decisions about who I was going to work with and what platform I was going to use. And of course, Sierra Interactive, which ben. I'm sure you're familiar with, Ben Pesco, yeah. um, him and I found each other. I have no idea how. Uh, I could probably go back and find out because I still have all of our emails and everything uh, like that. But we've had a very long relationship. Uh, he has, I, I, I think that I was his very first custom website, at least locally, uh, where we went from the template sort of platform into the more customized platform. And so at that point in time, and I'm very thankful for that, and I do tell him this, and I say it out loud again, that I had a choice between a lot of different vendors that were providing websites to agents at that time. And one, I liked Ben, and two, Ben was here locally, and him and I were able to communicate directly. So, So we were in close communication in this process. Fortunately, Ben, just like I have been doing, has been nose to the grind from that day forward and growing and building his business. Built a really good company. Building out his platform, building out everything on his side. So so in another set of circumstances with another platform to build on, I don't know if we could have gotten Would where we've worked? gotten. I don't yeah. know. Because I've been able to go to Ben, and and we were able to grow together, especially in the early stages with certain things. I would discover something pointed out to him. He would change that in the platform. Now, a lot of people would benefit from that kind of thing at times. Yeah. Uh, but he would also bring you know just incredible changes to the platform that I could see how to use and 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 knew how to implement and leverage. Where I could tell by looking at other people's sites, they had no idea what that meant right. or no idea how to implement that. So I, I just want to make sure it's on. The record that uh, oh, I didn't just go out and and decide to do this and wing it and suddenly get to this point. That platform has been absolutely integral, but it, it's it's been it, basically been served it up here. You can use it and and do whatever you want with it is one way to say it. And I've said I see I can use it like this, and so I've run with it in my own personal way. I've got my own personal touch on it. Sure. So the combination of those two things. Uh, and of course, Ben has taken in data from all over the country and best processes, best ideas, best suggestions. And he's incorporated, he's done something that a lot of um, service providers don't do, which is he's put it all into the core platform, basically. A lot of people would charge you additional fees, make you do this, yeah. make you do that. So Ben's just, for whatever reason, decided to go ahead and continue to update the core platform. So everyone can do it. If they have the platform, the question goes back to what you said, will they they do it? The other thing you mentioned that I didn't want to forget, and you were alluding to it, um, uh, talking about SEO and people on the site and what have you. I I know that because I can see the traffic in real time, and I I know what's going on with people. And I know there's people at certain companies I won't mention in town that their managers or bosses might like to know that their employees are on my site most of the day looking at properties, (laughs) right? Uh, There's a a large number of companies in town where 
where that's going down, right? So is that I, real? That's not real estate companies. That's like those are large corporations, businesses. Or, yeah, where people uh, okay. are 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 you know, I'm certain that are sitting at their desk hunting at homes instead of uh, <laughs> probably doing what they're supposed to be doing. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Like, um, I, I you mentioned competitiveness earlier. I don't mean to get you off topic, mm-hmm. but tell you this real quick. I've had multiple clients, clients like past clients, not like leads send me links to your website for, for homes they, they want to buy. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, the competitive nature in me, I'm like, ah, like, I go to my website. Don't go. <laughs> but it's so easy for them to find. It's the first, it's like you said, it's the first exit ramp that they see that, that is in exactly the organic is. world. But yeah. but from my perspective, though, and, and Jay, very honestly, early on, I decided to make that website a service that's wide open for anybody. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm you know, we're happy you know, we we're very thankful. We get the inbound that we get, and we try to do our very best with it. We we certainly, even to this day, we have a lot of learning and a lot of growing to do yeah. to take advantage. We've left so much business on the table; it would be embarrassing to say. Uh, so other, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty much embarrassed of how much business we've left left on the table. But part of that's been I've wanted measured growth, et cetera. But the um, but I've looked at the website you know, almost from the beginning that I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to make it valuable to people. And, and just what you just said about, you know, other agents getting, you know, leads, you know, their clients using our website, et cetera, et cetera. I've heard that for years. I know there's people that are upset about it or don't like it, et cetera. But my view is, is we're not actually soliciting those people. No, of course not. They're using the functions, the email to friend functions. They're searching on there. Absolutely. We are light touch. If they say they've got an agent, we You're step off. back. Yeah, yeah sure. We, yeah. we've just said that site is out there for everyone to use. Whoever wants to raise their hand and work with us we're here we'll jump in but other than that so, so is there a registration for a new visitor so i want to i'll say one thing before i come to that because i want to touch on the other thing that you mentioned uh, that's very important in the highway of life thing and very important in the social media thing uh, as well it's a transfer of trust right i if you you know you and i are friends yeah. and and you were interested in buying a home and, and i'm going to tell you i just had a great experience with an agent you know agent fred and i'm going to say jay I just had a wonderful experience with this guy. He's amazing. Did everything I asked him to do. Didn't push me on anything. You know, wasn't a salesperson. He was a service sure. provider, et cetera. I suggest you use him. That versus getting an ad pop up on social media on Facebook. There's no, social proof. Yeah. There's no comparison. And so the whole part of the name of the game is that transfer of trust. In what manner can you demonstrate that value to somebody in such a manner that they're going to have that trust? And I think a lot of the, a lot of people go too far sales. They go too pushy on sales or we're the best or we're the greatest. And and that type of language, and when we're talking about in every interaction that you want to have with a customer or client, you want to deliver something of value. And the thing that you're supposed to be delivering of value is homes. And and I don't this might come across as negative to some agents, but I get things in my mailbox about the you know, the best bun cake recipe or, you know, how to uh, you know, dress for spring uh, you know, formals or something like that. Just things that are completely I'm not gonna be looking to real estate agents for cooking advice right i mean right. <laughs> I, i'm i'm looking at them for home advice and Absolutely. so so when i'm talking about those value added interactions we're doing our best we can to demonstrate that value what can we do and how can we bring that value to the transaction uh, at all points in time um Back to uh, you're going to remind me you were wanting Re- me to registration registration. So I've experimented with that over the years, uh, and and I've for for the time period. It probably our biggest growth. I had the registration throttled back to either completely off, um, or I had it set back to maybe thirteen page views. But uh, but it was so you know there was the chances of somebody hitting those numbers you know when they were on the site was was low. They didn't actually hit that number. So how do they enter the sales funnel if they're not registered? They they call us on the phone. They uh, call you on the phone. Yeah. Purely organic. Yeah. Or they or Which they is, hit schedule showing request or additional info request, that type of thing. But okay. yeah. And so could you speak to Well, I'm I was gonna tell you that, that you know, now I've got it dialed back some, but but a lot of times you go to a site and the first click is pop up. up. You can't go anywhere. So I tried that at one point in time. It doesn't feel right to me. Again, with from the concept of I'm trying to provide this value to somebody. Sure. So I think I've settled in at the happy medium. I think we're at seven right now. I'd have okay. to double check, but but we try to let people hunt around on the site and at least if they've got some they want to look at a couple properties, you know, here you go. 
it's there. If you go further than that, yeah, we do have a registration. Yeah. But I found that we don't get a lot of the, you know, F.U. Joe Haydens or the, uh, you know, <laughs> the all the different— Mickey Mouse. Yeah, you know, interesting Jordan. ways of saying, you know, terrible things about me that I get through the site <laughs> signs up uh, signups when, when it's short, right? Yeah. Now we really do get a lot better contact information, and people— know that they're putting something into a real estate agent's website and they've accepted that handshake. We want the data. Yeah. We're Transfer willing to trust. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I think, I think that's, that's great. Um, you know, we, we, you know, do, you know, a couple hundred transactions a year. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we've got a good team here and, you know, we, we certainly have a, a different way to get people into the sales funnel than, than is, is the organic SEO route. And we get some of that. I mean, like right. I, I have a Sierra site. I think probably I hired him because of you. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was, you know, going on eight, nine years ago. And right. so I've got some good organic following there. Um, nothing probably compared to what you get. But, um, yeah, I, I've, I, I've dialed it back over the years, the number of page views prior to registration. But I, I think what the perception is, and maybe our listeners are going through this right now, right? They've, they've gotten to a place in their business where they're doing well and they're trying to supplement with another, uh, a stream of business, what have you. And they just get such little traffic that they feel they have to capitalize on every piece of traffic they get. They hammer them and they hammer them. And then they hammer them with phone calls after they get a registration or, uh, you know, 25 emails in 30 days, you know, on an action plan that's preset and they just press go. Right. And it's impersonal and there's no transfer of trust. So, you know, in a perfect world, everybody would have the kind of traffic that you have and be very passive and just say, Hey, talk to me when you want me. Right. Um, But it sounds to me like, Joe's business, though internet-based, models a repeat and referral transaction. And that transfer of trust is probably what allows him to convert, if you will, at high at high rates. But would you would you say, Joe, that you don't do you think that you would get that same amount of transfer of trust that you're talking about by dropping your registration walls if you weren't already at the top of the pyramid as far as how often your website shows up? Because I can imagine if somebody had a website that wasn't super visible. It would be it would be a very daunting task for them to, like you said, not you know not have anyone register. Just say, hey, call me when you want, because they wouldn't call you. They would the next day when they're searching Joe Hayden's website comes up, and then they call Joe. You know, right, so I mean, right. like you have to be do you have to be at a certain level of visibility and, before you can take that risk to chicken, take your walls down? Chicken and egg conversation, right? Well, sure, like, yeah. You know, I, I I don't know, Joe. What's your what's your take on that? Well, it's yeah, I'm not sure exactly because uh, you know, to your point about starting out getting the low traffic and what have you. Uh, it's. I think the number one problem people have is that they don't stick with it long enough, and and they don't realize that you're not going to get results in three months or six mm. months. You're you're literally on a three to five year plan if you're going down this path, and that's the level of commitment that you have to have to to get there. And so you know, taking three to the, five years is longer than some agents are in a, the business. Well, ninety seven percent of real estate agents fail in five years, according right. to NAR. So, so that's a big commitment. It is a huge commitment. Well, um, and and you know we're talking on the team all the time that if you're going to do lead generation, you, you you can't do it for two weeks or three weeks and suddenly expect that it's going to work. It it literally is a long period of time. So when it comes to that type of thing, I, I you know we have a lot of pages on the site. I've spent a lot of time. It, it, the entire site. I mean, this is where I'm at right now. The entire site needs a content revamp, right? But that takes a long time. I, I used to dedicate a lot more time daily to the site, and I could do that more. But right now, I'm, I'm facing about 30 pages that need a real substantial content uh, update that I need to do. And so, got to find a time to do it. Right. But that content, though it may need updating, is still the stuff that people are clicking through and reading. They're asking questions. They're looking on the site, and they're getting that information. So, they're not just there to browse homes, per se. They're there to get an education about the process of buying and selling homes. Homes. And so part of my job and part of what I see as valuable is I'm continuing to just be wide open about that education. We're not pushing people from a sales perspective. We're trying to provide right. a service. Education. And, and that service involves a lot of education. So dropping the walls down and, and, and throttling it back for us um, I, I feel like it would go – if it you – know, I've always tried to make it, does it feel good to me or not? That's, uh, you know, that's good, that, yeah. That's how I set the team up 
does it feel good to me or not, right? I, hindsight being twenty twenty, how we set the team up in terms of our structure, I could have done it differently and maybe made more money and maybe had a different type of approach to it. But it, it's, you know, did it feel good to me or not, right? I've got to feel good about it. If I'm out there searching and I want some information, I just want the answer to a basic question and I hit a button and dang it, I've got to provide Register. my personal information or something right. like that. X. I'm done. Right? Minimize that window. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm personally done. So I, um, I just again, it's it's a fine balance. So my my happy place has been less than what I think people expect or are taught. But but from a perspective of a new um, person uh, who's trying to do that type of thing and to dial it back and throttle it back like that because you want to get those clicks and you want to get those signups. I, I think you really do run the risk of driving people away and completely not getting your results. And you have to remember, Google's looking at your traffic. They're looking at your bounce rate. They're Good looking point. at number of page views, right? If you got it throttled back to where everyone's bouncing off after the second page or on the second page and their time on site is eight seconds, right, you are not going to rank well. So, I mean, it, it just, it all plays together, right? There's a science to it, yeah. Yeah, that throttle can harm you is you know, much worse than it can help you. So, you know, I, part of it is, is, you know, tell people, what do we do? How can I get in the game? Well, right now, the truth of the matter is, if you aren't already in it in a lot of ways, then you might go ahead and find other ways find to find business. Because, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I had people ask me about the bank foreclosure business. You know, back, back we got in the business about the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little after you, but I know you were part-time for a little while, you know, while you were right. still flying. Um, I, I I got into the bank foreclosure business in 2008. Right. You know, the, the market had tanked and foreclosures were up and there was about a five-year run ahead that was going to be nuts. And I sold hundreds of these properties per year. But the truth is, if you weren't in it at the beginning, there were other ways for you to find to generate business that were more profitable. And, you know, uh, maybe there will be something else that comes along. I mean, we've talked about the golden era of every piece of, you know, every marketing strategy. Marketers tend to ruin everything, right? Um, There'll be something else. There will be something else. Okay, so Joe. Um, before we before we wrap up for the day, I know there's something that that I, I would like our listeners to hear, and I think um, I know you're very passionate about is your work with the Kentucky Real Estate Commission. Mm-hmm. And um, we have spoken at length on this podcast. We've talked about the danger report that was commissioned by right. NIR. Um, we've talked about and it is truly a danger report if it, you read it. Know, it absolutely is. And we went over our first episodes ad yeah. nauseum. Um, we've talked about you know, brokerage models and how they perpetuate, you know, um, agents that are not qualified. We've talked about low barriers to entry. We've talked about, you know, some post-licensing education and things that are kind of in process to try and like level up our industry. Um, I know we got some real problems. Um, and I know you're very passionate about agent education. Right. Um, I have been a proponent of mentorship. Right. Um, because I believe that left to their own devices for education, classroom training, et cetera, new licensees are going to have a hard time having enough context to learn what they need to learn. Right. And mentorship and actually learning by doing by, while being oversought, oversought, I don't know if that's Overseen. Word. Overseen. Good one. I'm making up words, man. <laughs> that's okay. We do that every um, once in a while. <laughs> overseen by a credible professional. Right. Uh, with that experience is, is a much better, is a much better way. What, what is your, what is your take and, and the take on, this type of issue from the real estate commission and the work that you guys are doing there. Okay. Well, that is uh, an entirely 10 new podcast uh, worth of conversations. <laughs> Just, you uh, know, 90 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Um, uh, that would be buy lottery tickets, uh, buy the handful and hope you win you uh, would be the solution to that problem. Well, um, but, uh, but I think um, um, what it comes down to you know, the commission part is a, a challenge. Part of it is the fact that, the industry as a whole is is going to have to stop talking about needing to change in terms of education and raising the bar and, and then actually, actually do it. And it simply comes down to that. And so so my thought process is on the commission is I would like to be a part 
of that vehicle of change. I don't want to speak to for the rest of the commissioners. I don't want to speak for the director of the commission or, or what the governor's wishes are in terms of that. That's that's I, I I do feel though that we are in harmony at the commission right now. Uh, in terms of starting to look very seriously at what it would take to take the action to raise the bar. The question is, how do you do that? What's the process like? What types of things can be changed that are going to get actual value? Um, I will touch on a little bit what you said. I filter most of those type of discussions back up through the aviation. We talked in the beginning here uh, when we weren't uh, doing just the podcast talking about that I have a lot of experience as a flight instructor and a pilot. Um, Aviation as an industry has basically nailed, I think, to one of the highest levels you can have it nailed, the education process, the licensure process, the testing process, and the safety process. And obviously there's a motivation behind that, which is life and limb uh, and the safety of life and limb. When uh, well, It's process-driven training. It's, right. it's it's there's a lot of process driven training. Uh, there's a lot of human psychology and motivation that goes behind it as well. That gets very fascinating. But but you know when when we when we step over to the real estate world, we're not necessarily risking life and limb in our business, but we're risking financial ruin. And that's you know there's there's some massive parallels between that. You you sell somebody a house at age fifty five, and you turn them around in that house badly, and they've got to go to sell it at age sixty five or seventy, and they can't get out of it. There's almost no recovery. Right. Yeah, What's going to happen? Absolutely. You do it to somebody who's 22 years old and, and you could either put them on a path of great success for the rest of their life or you can put Absolutely. them on a 10 year journey of trying to dig out of a hole that they got into. So financial ruin is very real in our industry. When we look at the, the, the aviation industry itself, I'll give you this parallels because these parallels is where my thinking is the. Aviation industry has got different levels of licenses. I'm going to give you a couple. There's student pilot license. Uh, there's a sport pilot license in there as well. But there's a private pilot license. There's uh, You've got instrument uh, and multi-engine that can be part of private pilot. Then you have commercial licenses and airline transport pilot licenses. Those are different levels of licensure that happen in the aviation industry. The private pilot license is colloquially known as a license to learn. You have the minimum number of hours and and testing and experience to go safely up in the air with yourself and your friends, but we're not going to let you hold yourself out to the public and get paid for that work because you've not demonstrated enough skill in the aircraft yet, the higher standards of skill that a commercial pilot or an airline transport pilot would require, and also you lack the experience. The aviation industry has said experience is everything, and that's why I was going to touch on or tie that to your mentorship discussion because that's where it comes down to building that experience. So, my thoughts on it are, and where my mind is with it right now, is that we have got to find a way to segment, potentially, licensees in such a way that that new licensees, they, they've demonstrated they've got the training hours, the 96 hours, they've demonstrated they can pass the test, but – just like a private pilot moving to a commercial pilot, you know the difference is maybe 40 hours to become a private pilot, 200 hours to sit for the commercial exam, another test. Uh, you know, you might have to hold your instrument rating depending on what you want to do. There's some things in there that require additional education and additional testing. But some way to find a, a, a way to build into the system not only ongoing testing and training, which the PLE post-licensing education is supposed to do, but there's something critical missing from PLE, the testing, right? You don't have to take another test again at the end of it. So you don't validate any of the training, right? Somebody could sleep entirely through, and I I hate to say that out loud in a sense, but technically you could sleep through PLE and wake up at the end and and have quote-unquote passed it. There's no additional test, right? A a higher, more uh, challenging test that the PLE would have trained to and validated. Also, I mean, what about minimum transactions? What about a minimum of five transactions a year, 10 transactions, Mm. or let's say, you know, 10 total transactions. And then at that point, you're going to sit for, you know, a a full license, right, where you can transact business on your own without the guidance of your broker or your mentor uh, in that process, right? There's there's all kinds of things you can begin to discuss that – begin to raise the bar and look at it differently. But, you know, from the aviation perspective, the reason they don't let – there are some exceptions to this. I and mean, if pilots are listening, they'll know some of the exceptions like banner towing and right. things like that that you can do as a private pilot for, for pay. But um, but it's uh, – you know, but you can't put someone else's life in danger. In theory. Other, other than your own. In theory. Um, in theory. Just like what, what I, it seems that you're, you know, maybe leading towards is – you know, the, the, the parallel here, here is financial ruin. It's not, you know, life right. and limb, but it's financial ruin, which you could probably argue 
Um, financial ruin breeds emotional distress, emotional distress breeds whatever. There's a downward spiral that can come from that. But regardless, um, you know, another layer of mentorship or oversight, right? Right. That would experience building that would require experience building, which I think would be amazing. Um, and it's easy for us to sit here as experienced real estate professionals who would probably never be affected um, in our own practices right. by this. Very easy. But you know what? I, um, I I mentor a lot of new-to-the-industry agents. I'm a broker owner here in this firm, and I recruit and train and bring on. Right. And I take great pride in you know, hopefully that's a huge thrill for you because that is, and and hopefully that's a passion of why exactly you do it. Because if it's not, then you're not going to get where you want to go. That's all. I mean, that's the heart and soul of a good broker. We've talked about the brokerage model and the challenge of profit at the brokerage model and nationwide and why actually some of these issues have been perpetuated because profit is challenging as a broker. Right. I'm a producing broker. I sell a lot of real estate. Um, that supplements the profit I obtain from owning a real estate firm. I also own a property management business, right. which is another ancillary business. I also invest in real estate. But I, I think we've we've basically incentivized bad habits right. in terms of mentorship. And, and, and it's unfortunate that it may have to come to this, but that regulatory agencies at the state levels may have to regulate change. Right. And so it sounds like, and I, I applaud that, I think... Um, yes, it's easy for me to say, but I do think our industry will level up because of it. Well, and you have to consider a couple other items in there. Of course, there's many pieces of the puzzle on the table, but we're a commission-driven business, which means that the one of the highest barriers to entry is if you're going to work full-time and put the six months in to get your first transaction, if if that's what it takes or more – uh, and you and, and really, we front load all of our services, we front load all of our expenses, we front load all of our time, we give of everything that we have in the hope and prayer that the other we party sell a house or two <laughs> they're going they're going to act honorably and they're going to keep us involved in the transaction to the very, very end. Those types of things are difficult barriers to the mentorship type program yeah, and and also to the cost that would be involved in additional testing and licensure so you know, it's a it's a broad conversation. Uh, some of those things are a long way off from being able to be changed because you know it's it's like we talk about moving or changing the direction of the ship, right? It's it's this is the the oil tanker moving. It's tough, it's tough and, to turn the Titanic. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so those types of things are going to be part of that conversation. But it, it's I, I one thing that I'm really happy about the commission, and I really felt at our very last meeting that we're starting to come together as a group like minded in terms of some big picture types of things and starting to look at what can we do to really move the ball down the road uh, towards raising that bar across the industry and the statewide. That's amazing, Joe. I think we're going to have to leave it there for today. We might have enough to come back. We didn't even talk about you know, music career. Oh yeah. You know, so, you know, just right. the, the minor just, fact that you were like a, a sound top engineer producer and, in yeah, Nashville. Absolutely. And, yeah. Um, but we, we might have to have you back for another episode because this is really, really fascinating conversation, but, uh, you know, we really, really appreciate your Thank time you. today. And I think it's as valuable as Gabe's touched on earlier. Our listeners are forward thinking, cutting edge realtors, uh, across the United States, regionally and locally. Um, so I think just hearing the topics we touched on today, raising the bar being one of them, you know, the hard work that it takes to facilitate one segment of your business and make it such a profitable enterprise, um, I think is really, really valuable for our listeners. Folks, I, we, hope you, uh, we hope you enjoyed it today. We're going to continue to bring you, you know, compelling guests that, that touch on topics that we believe are relevant. We want to continue to be your resource for everything real estate related. Uh, Again, I'm Jay Pitts. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And thank you for tuning in to Resource. Thanks, guys. See you next time.